May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Well, Satan strikes again with your microphone. But we heard the uh, amen or whatever it was, the last word of the thing. Very good. I want to talk to you this morning about this reading from uh, Hebrews. Someone said we know there's coffee in heaven because Hebrews. So, just saying. <laughs> Big idea today is believers must move beyond the basics of the faith and grow up in Christ. You've got to move from milk to meat. Um, you know, when you had a, when you when your kids were growing up, maybe uh, on a birthday you'd put them in a door jam and you'd mark it with a pencil, and then every year they'd grow. And you'd mark the date, you know, and they'd get taller. And then that was great. And you'd say, yeah, look how big they're getting. But if, what if they started to shrink? You know, you're, now you're eight years old and you're not as tall as you were when you were seven. Boy, that's – now, some of us experience that. I'm not 6'3 anymore. Actually, I used to be 5'11", but now I'm 5'9". So as you get older, that happens. But when you're younger, you keep growing, and that's the idea that we keep growing in the faith. But the problem was that the, the Hebrew Christians had grown down in their walk, and they were back to drinking milk again instead of taking solid food. So that was a problem. Um, the author here is about to begin an explanation of Christ's heavenly priesthood. He says that in verse 8. He says, although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Being designated by God a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. About this we have much to say, which is hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. So he wants to go on about Christ's priestly ministry in heaven after the order of Melchizedek, but he says, you guys, you're dull of hearing. What does that mean? Lazy, sluggish, spiritually apathetic. You're not in a position to hear what we want to say to you and receive it in any way that would make a difference. So they started a, a backward journey by drifting from the word. Paul has something to say about this in Ephesians 4. He said, and his gifts were that some should be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the cunning of men, by their craftiness and deceitful wiles. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We have words like equip, build up, mature, stop being children, and grow up in every way into him who is the head. So there's this idea of constant um, growing and constant maturity that we're hoping that people experience. But they were now unable to listen 
to receive and act on the word. And the, the situation is, the truth is, there is no neutrality in the Christian life. No neutrality. Either you're growing or you're shrinking. And if you're not spending time in God's word, if you're not spending time in prayer every day, you're shrinking. We just had the uh, fun run over here, and the kids are all running around doing their laps. And every now and then they would make them stop and just mark time, run in place. And I thought, that's how so many people that have uh, a Christian faith are just marking time, running in place, not making progress in what it is that we're about. It's like the high school principal that needed to fill a spot, so he hired someone on the staff that had 10 years of experience. And someone came along and said, who was also on the staff, and said, how could you hire someone with 10 years of experience? I've got 25 years of experience. And the principal said, no, actually, you have one year of experience repeated 25 times. Not what I'm looking for. Not a lot of growth there, you know. And hopefully when you're in a situation, when you're in a profession, uh, when you're in a marriage, as you, as you parent, as you do something that has some legs to it and some length to it, you grow and you mature and you become better at what you do. And your understanding of it goes deeper than it was at the beginning, and that's the problem with the Hebrew Christians. They're kind of back at the beginning. Warren Wearsby, a wonderful commentator, says the ABCs of the Christian life are important, but they must be a launching pad, not a parking lot. This is someplace where we build that foundation to take off, not to stay still. So then the question is, well, what is milk? I think it might surprise you. Milk is, is the, uh, the basics of the faith, the birth, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, repentance, and salvation. It's the gospel. That's milk. It's the basics. If you come to a funeral here, it's kind of the same most of the time, if I'm doing it. We'll have people that speak about the person. I'll say a few words about the person. I'll say more if I knew them personally. Sometimes I don't. And then I'll say a couple, tell a few stories about um, near-death experiences to say that there's more than this life. It's on the other side. And it's true and it's there. And then I'll do a three-man, three-person uh, demonstration with a miserable sinner, Jesus, and God the Father. And it's the same thing over and over. And I'm sure some people that come to church go, oh, God, here we go again. Why do I do that? Because there are so many people that only cross the threshold of a church for a wedding or a funeral. That's it. And they've never heard the gospel, ever. They just don't hear the gospel. When you go to a wedding, it's not an evangelical event necessarily. And when you go to a funeral, unfortunately, it's all about the person. It's not about the gospel. It's not about Jesus. People are laser-focused on their mortality when they come to a funeral, right? Growing up, um, I never heard the gospel. I was raised Catholic. And where I grew up, I heard about the sacraments, I heard about the church, and I heard about being good. Kathy grew up. Where'd Kathy go up here? Oh, there you are. Kathy grew up in the Episcopal Church and heard the, the, the priest that she was raised under, never preached really from the Bible. He would go walk in the woods on a Saturday and then talk, talk about on Sunday what he saw in the woods on Saturday. Every week. 
So she never heard the gospel growing up either. So many people have never heard the basic gospel of Jesus Christ, that kind of milk that we're talking about. So how does that happen? People are stunted in their spiritual growth. Well, I mean, it can happen because you go to the wrong church. <laughs> You're raised in a place where they don't really value this. This is an outmoded, outdated book. We've got to update our material. Got to be socially relevant, don't you know, with the culture. So that way you're not going to hear it. Uh, some people just neglect it. Apart from a changed heart, renewed mind, a person has little desire to expose themselves to the word. A lot of people have big Bibles at home that gather dust. Or maybe when somebody gets married or somebody dies, you take it off the shelf and you make an entry in the Bible. Other than that, it never gets opened. Or we take the word of God for granted. I'll get around to that later. I have plenty of time for that sort of thing. Other things are more important, whether it's finances, whether it's health, whether it's work, whether it's school, whether it's sports, whether it's politics, whatever it might be, it's just more important. That kind of thing really isn't part of my life. So we, uh, Kathy and I had a very new experience Friday night. We went out to the WEC, the World Equestrian Center. Two of Bernardo's students were in the Dressage Grand Prix. I'd never seen anything like that before in my life. So we were standing there in the arena, or outside of the, the arena, and was watching the horses warm up. And a woman came up to me and she said, is this the CDI arena? I looked at her. The CDI arena? Bernardo looked around and he says, yes, this is the CDI arena. And he said what it is, it was some French word. What does it mean? Competition de Dressage International. Yes, it is the CDI arena. Well, that was pretty good. I, I just said it. But I had no clue what that meant because it's a whole other world. And before we went into that, we had a meal outside, and, and the, the server came over, a nice young woman. I always say, whether I've got a collar on or not, and I didn't, I said, how can we pray for you? And when we said that, the look on her face was like, huh, prayer? I, I just, I saw that going through her head. What? What's that? Why would you ask me a question like that? And then she thought, and she said, well, pray that I make a lot of money tonight. And Bernardo said, you must want something more than money. And then she thought, and she, her face, I, I thought her expression changed. And she looked at me and she said, peace. It was a very different word and a very different way that she said it. First was, well, I want to make a lot of money. And the next one was, peace. I don't know that anybody's ever asked her that before. Can we, how can we pray for you? But it made, I think it made a difference for her. Try it. See what happens. Don't say, can we? Say, how can we pray for you? Because it's so foreign to so many people these days, sadly. Um, when we uh, ignore obeying the word of God, we become dull. James says this. But be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. When you hear it, let's put it to work. Let's do something with it. Let's not just 
file it away, store it away, memorize verses for no particular purpose, read the Bible for no particular purpose other than to say, look at me, I read the Bible through every year, so what? If it isn't having an effect on your life, so what? And sometimes we think we know it all. Now, I've been confirmed. What do, I, what, what do I need to do? What do I need to know? But when we're dull in the faith, we're not equipped to deal with life in a godly way. And I tell people life is a live fire exercise. It's, it's, it's dangerous out there. A lot of things are coming our way that we don't expect, we don't see. They sneak up on us, and all of a sudden we're kind of blindsided by things. Didn't expect it. How do I handle it? How do I see it? How do I process it? Am I doing it from a worldly viewpoint or a godly world point, viewpoint? We need to be doing that from a, a godly, biblical point of view. So we may think that righteousness and good and evil are obvious, but that's not really true. My definition of evil that you've heard a thousand times is evil cares not for the truth and is motivated only by self-interest. Think about our world today. Truth, lie. Evil does not care about the truth. It doesn't care about the truth. Here's what I want you to believe about X, Y, or Z. Because it will help me get what I want, whether it's power or influence or a contractor or whatever it is. People lie for two reasons. One, telling the truth is going to make them look bad, and telling the truth or telling the truth is not going to get them what they want. Evil says, I don't care about the truth, and I'm only motivated by self-interest. And so we're constantly in a position of, of evaluating situations and events and policies that require a functional knowledge of the Bible to arrive at a godly position. This isn't about left and right. It's not about liberal, conservative. It's not about Democrat. This isn't. It is, it's about issues that confront us today in our culture, and I need to look at that from a godly, biblical Word of God perspective, okay? So, you know, we, we say this a lot, but it's true, and I think young kids today, what's marriage? Marriage is between one man and one woman, lifelong, faithful, monogamous, heterosexual. Why do I say that? Because for this reason, a man shall leave his mother and father, cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one. God says marriage is between one man and one woman. That's it. Not two men, not two women, not three people, not a throuple. It isn't anything else other than this. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I don't care what the New York Times says. I don't care what your mother says. It's a man and a woman. That's it. That's all you get. God says. Now, you say that, and you're in trouble. Trust me. You say that these days, and you're a bad person. But we've kind of had a history of that growing up, you know, the history of the church. When you're faithful to what God said, there's a little bit of pushback. You can look it up. Gender issues that your children are being fed. God made them male and female. That's it. That's all you get. Male, female. You may think you're the other one. That's called gender dysphoria. It's a condition that can be treated, but we don't treat it anymore, I don't think, because that would be hurtful to the person who thinks they're the opposite gender. So it's just male and female. You don't get, you don't get another choice. Okay? And if you, if you assert that biological fact, you will be punished for it. There's a, the latest was um, Richard Levine, who was the head of uh, the chief medical officer in Pennsylvania, whatever that is, became Rachel Levine. And Rachel Levine just this past week became the first uh, female 
to make four-star admiral in the public health service. There's a representative from Indiana who said it's interesting that the first female four-star admiral in the public health service is a man. For that, he lost his Twitter account. He'll never get it back because you're not going to get it back until you take it back. He says, I'm not taking it back. It's a fact. From a godly standpoint, there's only two. Now, your children and your grandchildren are being told something very, very different than that. And that's another thing that's happening in our society and our culture today, and that is there's a move to separate children from parents. And they'll tell the kids, your, your parents are older. They don't understand this. This is new information. Just love them, smile, but we're telling you the truth, and they're not. That's something that's new for us. From a biblical standpoint, that's wrong. From a biblical standpoint, God wants that family to be a strong, working, functional unit. The culture these days does not seem to want that as much. What about abortion? I'm not going to go into it, but it's either the taking the life of an unborn child or the health of the mother. God says, don't do it. Culture says, absolutely, up till the moment of birth. What's right? I'll go with God on that. If you've had an abortion, it is not the unforgivable sin. There's restitution, there's, there's wholeness, there's reconciliation. But God's people need to stand up and say no. Critical race theory teaches children that their identity is based on the color of their skin. And if you're a certain color, you're the oppressor. If you're another color, you're the oppressed. I love the fact that we have a multiracial, multi-ethnic school right here. And the kids could care less what color your skin is or where, you came, where your ancestors came from. They're just kids. And they're loving one another and working together and playing together and studying together, and that's the way society needs to be. That's the way God wants it to be. Martin Luther was right. We should judge people by the content of the character, not the color of their skin. We're moving in the opposite direction in this culture today, sadly. Or pol politics or culture. I found out last week the American Family Council, whoever they are, said that the nuclear family is a vestige of white supremacy. I did not know that. I always thought the nuclear family was another thing that God kind of cooked up. This is how he says, this is how cultures work. This is how societies thrive with a strong nuclear family, education, school boards, whatever it might be. And again, I'm saying we need to see these issues, which are all around us, right, on a daily basis, not through political eyes, but through a godly biblical worldview. What's right? What's godly? What's worldly? Go with the godly. Now, there may be a price to pay for that. There'll be a cost to that. You might get criticized for it. <laughs> Trust me. Um, but you stay, you stay with it because it's the godly right thing to do. We lay a sound biblical foundation and then build on it. Don't keep laying that foundation without construction. We need to do something with it. How many of you remember Merv Griffin? Oh, Merv Griffin. Once on the Merv Griffin show, the guest was a bodybuilder. During the interview, Merv asked, why do you develop those particular muscles? The bodybuilder simply stepped forward and flexed a series of well-defined well muscles from chest to calf. The audience applauded. What do you use those muscles for, Merv asked. Again, the muscular specimen flexed, and biceps and triceps sprouted to impressive proportions. 
But what do you use those muscles for? Merv persisted. The bodybuilder was bewildered. He didn't have an answer other than to display his well-developed frame. I was reminded that our spiritual exercises, Bible study, prayer, reading Christian books, listening to Christian radio music, are also for a purpose. They're meant to strengthen our ability to build God's kingdom, not simply to improve our pose before an admiring audience. So if, if we're in the word and we're, doing, and we're doing those kinds of things, what's it for? Is there a purpose to it? Is it informing the decisions that we make and the relationships that I have? Is it changing my life in a godly way? A child learns their ABCs, but we need to use that to grow. So it's a blessing <coughs> if a three-year-old can do it, but if a 50-year-old can say their ABCs, it's not the same thing. Wouldn't you say? So I had a 70-year-old say her ABCs this morning cheered and it was silly because it didn't make a lot of sense I was going to have Fiona do it but she's at the beach and then compare the two it's one thing if a little child can do it I'm going to try to do that at this children's sermon we'll see how that goes I'm looking to see who would know their ABC's Glenn, can you do it? Can you do it? Sing the song. You can do it. Just sing the song. This is a test. You're auditioning for the children's sermon. I'm not pointing to your. I'm not pointing to your wife. Point to you. Come on. Oh, man. I knew you could do that. But we'll sing it. (laughs) Anyway, you're a good sport. So what is solid food? Solid food, uh, knowledge and appreciation and application of God's word. Okay? Uh, An expectation to hear from God through word, through people, through circumstances. So I was meeting with somebody that I'd really never met before in any real way at 1 o'clock on Monday afternoon in my office. Somebody had set up this meeting. Monday morning, I go to TLC, Transition Learning Center. I go there once a month. It's the special needs kids. They're they're over 22. They've all graduated from Hillcrest. So I go. I spend an hour with them, sing some songs, read the Bibles, do a homily, interact with them. It's a lot of fun. And Meg Dickens, who used to be a teacher over here, runs the place now, and, and she said, I said, it's great to come back and see some familiar faces because I hadn't been there for so long because of COVID. And she said, yeah, and I said, you got a lot of new people. She said, yeah, like, like this one over here. And she points to this young man, and he told me, she tells me his name, and I went, is his dad, and I said this name, oh, yeah, he's this and that. I went, I'm going to see him this afternoon. So I went and had my picture taken with him. And Of all the people that she could have pointed out, she pointed him out. And I'm going to meet with his dad in the afternoon. What a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. It was a God thing. God prepared that moment for when I met his dad and showed him the picture. 
seeing the world and life through God's eyes versus the eyes of the world. Um, a lot of times, <clears throat> well, Philip Yancey says this. Human beings grow by striving, working, stretching. And in a sense, human nature uh, needs problems more than solutions. Why are not all prayers answered magically and instantly? Why must every convert travel the same tedious path of spiritual discipline? Because persistent prayer and fasting and study and in meditation are designed primarily for our sakes, not for God's. Soren Kierkegaard said that Christians remind him of schoolboys who want to look up the answers to their math problems in the back of the book rather than work through them. We yearn for shortcuts, but shortcuts usually lead away from growth, not toward it. Apply the principle directly to Job. What was the final result of the testing he went through? As Rabbi Abraham Herschel observed, faith like Job's cannot be shaken because it is the result of having been shaken. When we go through hard times, and at the end of that time, we have a stronger relationship with God, there's nothing that's going to break that because we've been through the fire with him. But that's somebody who's growing in their faith, not just marking time. Embracing the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit. We learned a lot about the Holy Spirit when we were with Living Waters for 10 years. You know that three streams, sacrament, scripture, spirit. Well, that spirit piece, you know, in the Anglican world, it depends that charismatic piece can kind of just sit there and not be used very much. But when we got over to Living Waters, man, that was their sweet spot. And that sort of drifted over into us as well. And we saw miraculous things happen. We saw physical healings, emotional healings, like just all kinds of wonderful things began to happen. I always think, you know, the marriage between a, a strong Pentecostal church and an Anglican church was a miracle in itself. But it worked, didn't it? It worked for 10 years. Anglocostals. God was behind that, and God did it. So what are some opportunities to grow in my faith and get out of the dullness of, of uh, <clears throat> the crowd? Well, morning devotions and prayer. Start your day with God. Kathy and I have a, have a routine that in the morning we'll listen to a, a guy, Dutch Sheets. Dutch Sheets has a thing called Give Him 15. There's an app you can get. It's about a 15-minute devotional that he'll do. Very, very good. And then we have a couple of devotionals that we read, and then we'll read each read a chapter of Scripture. So we're now, yesterday we started Deuteronomy, okay? Now, sometimes you'll go through like Leviticus or Numbers when they read off all the names of the tribes. I've got an app on my phone. I actually read, I read the Bible. I went over to, I used to do it on my phone, but I, I felt guilty. So I went to Gabriel's, and I walked in, and I, I said, I need a Bible. And Marge said, certainly not for you. I went, uh, yeah, for me. So I got a New Living Translation, but when it comes to the names, I hit the button. And I, let, I let the guy say them all because he can actually say them right. But that's not here or there. Start your day with God. When you get up in the morning, have a cup of coffee, and you start your day with God. The given 15 I mentioned, Bible studies here at Christ the King. Starting on a Sunday, you've got Bible 101 down in the South Hall starting at 9 o'clock for people that haven't really been doing this very much. You've got my Bible study over after the first service in the North Hall. That's growing. Hallelujah. We're getting like 20 people. That's wonderful. On Tuesday morning at 7 o'clock, we have a men's Bible study with about 20 guys. We've been doing this for years. We just kind of, it's lightning. It's like lightning speed. We may do a verse a day. 
seriously. But we're getting a, hopefully getting a lot out of it. 7 o'clock on a Tuesday morning and at 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning, Pam and Kathy have a Bible study, women's Bible study that's just started back up, and that's been a wonderful thing. Friday, uh, for the moms over here at the school, Laura Gertz and Brenda Sharp are doing a Bible study at 1.30. We have Wednesday night where we have various offerings. We have a dinner. We have fellowship. We have different offerings, and on at the school at the school board at the vestry meeting on Thursday night, Don Raymond, who is in Arto and Gigi's class with Del Tackett, he gave a little testimony about how much that has impacted his life, and really set him on a new in a new direction for his faith on a Wednesday night. You know that kind of thing. Um, small groups, we need to do better with small groups. We got to get working on that. But I think small groups are a great way for a small number of people to come together, pray with one another, relate with one another, be part of that group. Time with God. You know, two or three times a week I'll come up here for a half an hour, there's nobody here, and I'll just be here by myself. Time with God, time away from the phone, from people, from, from distractions. Time with God is really important. Uh, and again, be in the Word. Read the Bible. And books, uh, a shameless plug for Gabriel's Christian Bookstore, because Gabriel's is the only bookstore with a Christian bookstore within how many miles? A hundred miles. You have to go a hundred miles to get to another Christian bookstore. And we have Stephen and Marjorie here with that bookstore. And it's amazing. It's amazing. You go in there and there's a, there's a, a sense of God's presence in that store that you don't get when you're ordering on Amazon. I'm saying. <laughs> now, I realize spiritual growth is more difficult to measure than your children's physical growth. That's easy. But you can be sure that if you're not growing, that you're not growing if your spiritual life is running on autopilot. You're not growing if you're haphazard about Bible reading and prayer. We're not growing if we're not making a deliberate effort to discipline our lives for godliness. <clears throat> and if we're not growing, we're shrinking. And really, the author of Hebrews is saying what he said to the receivers of that letter that he says to us today, grow up. It's time to grow up. And we say that in love. Now, I was going to do something else after the sermon, but when they played that song for the... Um, gradual for the gospel. I think it was perfect for what we're trying to do today, so let's do that one again. All right? Hmm? Yeah, we'll do all three. Sure.